0: Let us go to the Lord again in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before You asking that You would bless us in the continuance of this worship. Bless us to grow in our Love to you and in our devotion to you. We long for the day when we shall be rid of this world. But until then, sustain and uphold us by thy grace that we might persevere in thy grace to Your honor and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. As we continue looking uh, at this, <clears throat> these verses 15, 16, and 17 of the 2nd chapter of First John, we were looking at the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We covered somewhat this morning uh, of loving not the world and the lust of the and the and the lust. The word flesh here is a word that is used over a hundred and fifty times. So you can relax. We're not going <laughs> to. Look at all of those. In fact, we won't look at too many of them. But there are basically three ways this word for flesh is used in the, in the New Testament. Sometimes the word flesh is used and it's talking about just a human being. We see that in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And verse 22. Talking about in the last days. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. In other words, it's just talking about the human body, the human the human being. The second way that it's used is just talking about the physical flesh itself. Acts chapter two and verse. Uh, verse 31 is an example here. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and David prophesying about the resurrection of Christ. In Acts 2.31 it says, He, that is David, seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, That his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. In other words, the flesh, the fleshly body of the Lord Jesus Christ, did not decay. So you can see there; it's just talking about the fleshly body. In Matthew 24, it was just talking about a person, a human being, but here it's talking about the 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 flesh. That's uh, that's wrapped around the bones, in other words. And then the third way that this word is used is the, talking about the sinful part of man. We see that in Galatians chapter five, in verse seventeen. It's not talking about a human being. It's not talking about this 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 flesh that's stuck onto our bones, but it's talking about a sinful man, the sinfulness of man. Galatians 5, uh, 17, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So, here you can see three ways the word flesh is used. And I believe that <clears throat> this uh, lust of the flesh in verse uh, 16 in 1 John is basically talking about uh, this third way that is just talking about the sinfulness of man. The sinfulness of man, the lust of the flesh. In other words, if you go without food for a lengthy period of time, your body is going to have some lust or craving for the food, nothing, nothing necessarily sinful about that. Your body needs food to eat. It just it has a desire for it, and so uh, you can see that in that way. But here we're talking about the lust of the flesh, where it has a desire for the things of the world. This lust of the flesh is weak in performing spiritual things Matthew chapter 26 Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41 since it's used over 150 times naturally we can't look at everything and I've tried to reduce it down as much as I could Notice what Jesus said to Peter and the other disciples when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Watch and pray. This is Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now here I think is talking about not only... Our spiritual nature or our spiritual inability, but I think it might also include the physical being. Uh, let me explain that this way. Uh, I guess in one of one of the times that uh this lesson was kind of brought home to me probably the first time was back in the seventies. I would assume might be it might have been in the eighties, but I was over at uh Muskogee at a meeting there, and uh there was a member. Uh, of the congregation by the name of George Davis. He was a Hollywood actor that uh, had been converted to the doctrines of grace and was a member there at the congregation at Muskogee. But he had come down with Lou Gehrig's disease and got really, really bad shape before he died. Uh, I got to see George baptized he was sitting in a chair if I remember correctly and they didn't know whether he would live through the baptism or not but uh, he did but anyway I don't remember what stage George was in whether it was the beginning of the disease or the middle or the end or something, but anyway, when we were when we, I was over there at, at for a meeting there Bible conference, and uh, and at that time, this was before the gas shortage and everything. At that time, the men met on Friday nights at the congregation at the at the meeting house uh, for prayer meeting. And so they had their prayer meetings then. Uh, Now they meet twice uh, on the Lord's Day, and uh, they meet in the morning. They break and have the men's prayer meeting, and then they come back for their afternoon service. So in order to save on gas and and a lot of other things, uh, they adopted that in latter years. But at that time, this time I'm talking about, they had the prayer meeting on... Friday night, and obviously many of the men that came to the prayer meeting, a lot of times they just came directly there from work, and uh, of course would be uh, quite uh, tired and, and things of that nature, but this one particular time, we met there to pray all night for George Davis. There had been times prior to that that I thought I would try to pray all night like the Lord did, that I didn't make it. But I thought something was very wise that Brother Ashwood said that night He said, some of you men are going to, because of your working all day long and so on, will not be able to stay awake all night. And so if you get sleepy, lay down on the pew, go to sleep, the rest of us will still be praying. And if uh, some of the others of us that were praying then go to sleep and you'll be praying this way we will have the prayer meeting being going going on all night because obviously our flesh is weak and we will not be able to stay awake all night i thought that was much wisdom in that and though the lord rebuked Peter and James and John <clears throat> for their weakness. He did commend them that they wanted to be awake. Notice he said, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. there is a weakness of our flesh that may not fall into the category or it may, depending on our spiritual disposition at that time, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. This is weak in performing spiritual things. In Romans chapter 8, we see something of this same thing. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 3, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. We are responsible for our sins. But because we are sinners... It's impossible for us to live sinless. The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. When I was younger in the ministry, it was not uncommon at times that I would spend as much as 20 hours straight just studying. I can't do that anymore. Obviously, this last uh, affliction that I had when in uh, having, the, having to have the pacemaker put in and uh, my ankle broken at the same time, uh after I, while I was in rehab and so on uh my mind was not as sharp, and uh basically all I did was read the scriptures. but even after I got home and tried to do some studying uh my mind was still dull uh I just couldn't hold uh couldn't stay at it very long. I'm getting back to it more and more now. But even uh, even at my best state now, I'm not what I used to be in my youth. Why? The flesh. The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. My mind is not as sharp. Uh, even in going about, of uh, uh, course... Uh, uh, getting my uh, uh, my stamina back for walking. Uh, uh, I think about my walking more, but I also think about uh, trying to make sure I don't fall more <laughs> and things of that nature. The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. And so we have to realize that and and the lust of the flesh may not always be the things of Sin, though uh, in these verses it is, but I just wanted to point this out that uh, the weakness of the of the flesh and th- the flesh is impossible to produce spiritual things by itself. In John chapter one. In verse thirteen, the Gospel of John, John 1.13 says, talking about uh, people that were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. In other words, people that are just born of the flesh, they cannot do the things of God. Also in Romans. Uh, chapter four, and verse one speaks uh, to this, where it says, "What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he had were after glory, but not before God. The flesh cannot produce that which is essential." To satisfy God, the flesh follows after after sin. It gravitates toward that. Paul said in Romans chapter seven and verse twenty-five: "I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin." Our flesh hinders us from serving God as we would. Thankfully, someday we're going to be resurrected and this sinful body will be sinless. This mortal body will be immortal. This dishonorable body will be honorable. Hallelujah! The flesh will not hinder us when we're glorified before our Lord Jesus Christ. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. We still live in this sinful flesh and we have to fight against the flesh and and we have to hold it in check and all of that. But beloved, the flesh is weak The flesh is weak. The flesh gravitates towards sin. It follows after sin. And the flesh is contrary to the Spirit. Notice here in Romans 8 where we read, and it's talking about the carnal mind. It's the same thing as the flesh. But Let's just read some here in Romans 8. We'll just start at the first verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Now, though the flesh hinders us and we're in this flesh, it doesn't rule our lives. That's what he's saying here. Sometimes it sure seems like it rules us. I tell you, uh, I think the older I get, the more sinful I become. It just seems like uh, that, but well, I don't want to get off into that. Verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh before sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We live we, we live with this sinful body, this fleshly body. But thankfully, and we will go back to Romans 6, but we don't have time to do all of that. The flesh doesn't rule our lives. It troubles our lives. We have to fight against it. It's like a, uh, a gnat that continually flies around our head, aggravating us day and night. But it doesn't rule us. But like I said, sometimes it seems like it does. Verse 4, That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. In other words, A person that is only controlled by the flesh, that's all they do is what the flesh wants. Like I said, we're troubled by the flesh, but we're not ruled by the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, or we might say fleshly minded, is death. But the spiritual mind is life and peace for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So you see that the fleshly mind, the carnal mind, is contrary to the Spirit. That's just a real, real, brief synopsis of the flesh. Of course, we could go into a whole lot more where he said the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This word pride, as we said, is always speaking, spoken of in a, 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 a negative way. This particular word for pride is only used one other time, and it's used in James 4:16. but this is the word for braggadocio. Now we pointed this out somewhat last Lord's day, but I want to point it out again, I think we did last Lord's day how that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that this is a general outline of how Satan works on us. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. This is how the Lord tempted Eve In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and that it was a tree desired to make one wise, the pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. So you can see this is the way that Satan worked even from the beginning. Look at Joshua chapter 7. This is how God. Caused Achan, I mean, excuse me, how the devil caused Achan to sin. Joshua chapter 7. For time's sake, we'll just read verse 21 instead of going through the whole context of it. Achan said, When I saw There's the lust of the eyes. The spoils, a goodly Babylonian garment, two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight. Then I coveted lust and took them. Behold, they are hid in the earth and in the midst of my tent. And the silver under it. Look at Second Samuel Chapter eleven David with Bathsheba. Second Samuel eleven, two. And it came to pass in the eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very, very beautiful to look upon. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And no doubt the pride of life was involved in it as well. Look at Job thirty one. Job was very wise here. Job thirty one, one I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a man, a maid, excuse me? He didn't look. Psalm 119, verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. And quicken thou me in the way. The lust of the eyes there again. Matthew five. Matthew five. In verse twenty-eight, notice what our Lord said. But I say unto you that whoso looketh upon a woman To lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That lust of the eyes is a gate that is open to the heart that causes corruption. This is how Satan attacked our Lord Jesus Christ when he was in the the wilderness there in, in Luke Chapter Four. Luke Chapter Four. He tried to get the Lord, you'll see that in verses uh, three through eleven. Verses three through eleven. Here you'll see where uh, the devil tried to get him to turn the bread into uh, the stone into bread. In verse uh, three, and the devil said unto him, "If thou be the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread." And Jesus answered him, saying, "It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that uh, every word of God." Here you see the lust of the flesh, because Jesus was hungry. All right. Then verse five, and the devil taketh him up into an high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. Here you can see the uh, lust of the eyes. You say, well, how did the devil do that? I don't know. I don't know how he did it, but uh, I know that they can. Uh, I know Hollywood movies can do a lot. Uh, I remember I saw a movie called uh, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, based on a true story of a man. Down here just south of Chattanooga, where he lived. <clears throat> but anyway, I also saw a documentary of Mel Gibson and who produced the movie or directed it. I forget which might have been both. I don't know what the difference is on all of that, but that whole movie was produced in a very small plot of ground. In other words, it was just uh, uh, something like a hundred yard square, or or something might even been smaller than that. But the whole movie was produced in a very small area. Well, if Hollywood can do that and make us think that this small, uh, in uh, this huge movie of uh, an hour or so and that all of this took place in this whole time of war in a very small space, what could the devil do? You know, We don't know uh, what all the limited powers of the devil are, and we don't know how extensive his powers are. But here, uh, the Bible says it showed Christ all the kingdoms of the world. Verse six and the devil said unto him All this power will I give thee and the glory of them. See, Satan is the God of this world, Second Corinthians tells us. Some people say, Well he didn't have the right to do this and do that. I don't know, I'm just going by what it says here. I can't read into it and say it doesn't mean it means something other than what it says. All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. Now, beloved, that will make you think about what's going on in the world today. God is allowing Satan to do a whole lot of things. Remember what God allowed Satan to do to Job. Through wars, through tornadoes and storms and robbery and vandalism? If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine, the lust of the flesh or the I mean excuse me, the, the lust of the eyes the lust of the eyes. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. See, we not only see here in this how Satan attacks us, how he attacked Eve, how he attacked Achan, how he attacked David, we not only see and uh, how he attacked our Lord But our Lord shows us how we are to fight against Satan. Quote Scripture. Quote Scripture. Know the Word of God. Verse 9, And He brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from thence, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. The pride of life. And Jesus answered and said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. For a season. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. This is how Satan tempts. And we see from our Lord how to fight back. How to fight back. Verse 17 And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The world is departing. That's this word passing away. It's only used uh, ten times. It's used in verse 8 of this 1 John 2 when it said, The darkness is past and the true light now shineth. But it's talking about the world is passing off the scene. This world is wearing out. This is true naturally. According to what scientists call the second law of thermodynamics, it declares that everything is constantly changing and eventually, if left alone, will wear out. If left alone, it will wear out. Equally, it remains that whatsoever we covet in life, it will eventually fail. Think about it. Think about toys as a child that you wanted and maybe got, but eventually they wore out. Think about clothing or Maybe a vehicle that you bought. It wears out. Think about houses that we've lived in that have worn out, so to speak, if not maintained. Yes, everything that we covet in life eventually fails. Even our bodies, they wear out. We get more aches and pains. We get more diseases. We have glasses so we can see better. Hearing aids that we might hear better. Teeth that we might chew better. (laughs) You know, and various and sundry other things. And it is amazing at the progress that man has made. Back in the 50s, uh, late 50s, my father had back surgery and he was laid up in bed for two or three weeks. Uh, Brother Floyd's uh, nephew, I believe his nephew, a couple of weeks ago had back surgery. He went home the same day of the surgery and within a day or two went back to work. He, he doesn't have a strenuous job, and he can't lift over 20 pounds for so long. He can't lift his hands up above his head for a while and all of that. But just think of the difference. Just think of the difference. But still our bodies are wearing out. The lust of the eyes, the beautiful things of life, eventually loses its attraction. The smoothness of youth becomes wrinkled with age. The new of acquired objects become unattractive. The strength of youth becomes weak with age. The sharpness of mind and wit becomes lethargic and dull with age. And the list could go on and on and on and on. The world is passing away. Change and decay and all around we see. Change and decay and all around we see. But he who does the will of God continually abides in the things of God, and will eventually be glorified. Beloved, we have something to look forward to. Hallelujah. This world is passing off the scene. Our aches and our pains are going to go away someday. And the things that hold us back from full service to the Lord. It's going to open up and blossom into a beautiful rose, a beautiful flower garden of praise and adoration unto the Lord our God. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Let us pray. Yes, Father, we live in a in a dying world, a sinful world, but not forever. Yes, the earth, the earth and the world passes away. Someday it will burn up. Someday there will be a new earth and a new heaven wherein dwells Righteousness how we look forward for that time to come. We thank you for the anticipation of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.